My word today is entitled Raising Your Expectations. Raising Your Expectations. And I want to uh, camp in a very familiar story here in Acts chapter 3. I want to take a new slant on it. Acts 3, 1 through 8. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Isn't it a great story? The interesting thing is, is that it dawned on me one day that every time I had heard this story preached, I always heard it preached from the, from the side of Peter. I heard it preached as if it were Peter's story, Peter and John. You know, silver and gold have I none, such as I have give I, you know, and rise up and walk, man, man gets up. So it's all about Peter. Yet when I began, was studying this and meditating on this one day, I began to realize this story is not about Peter at all. This is actually the lame man's story. He's the subject of the story. It just, the, it, it just so happened that Peter and John happened in upon, upon the lame man's story. And so if that's the case, then there must be truths that we can extract from the side of the lame man. Y'all buy into that with me, huh? All right. Here's what we extract from that. Number one, the man had been laying there, the Bible says, since birth he was, he, he was lame, and he had been laying there all of his adult life begging at the gate of the temple. The thought began to hit me this, what is the lesson God wants to bring to us? I believe it's this. I, as a pastor for so many years, one of the things that has bothered me just so much and pained me is every pastor has a heart for all of his people, all of the people in the church to live in victory walk out a life of beauty and fullness, you know, where all the sides of their life are healed and whole and, and free and victorious. Uh, but yet this man here, you could say, was in the midst of the church. He was right there where the people were coming in to worship God, hearing the word. The fellowship was going on. Let's say it's Sunday morning at Oasis. Here the man was at Sunday morning Oasis. In the midst of all the celebration, the prayer, the worship, the preaching, the fellowship, this man was struggling right in the midst of them all. And then I've had this thought hit me that, you know, I've, I've felt that many times that whenever I, I pastor people, I preach faith, I preach victory, you know, and freedom. But yet I've watched people struggle in our church for long periods of time. Maybe they, I mean, they love God. They come to church. They pray. They read their Bible. And maybe they're walking in victory in certain areas of their life. But there maybe is one area or maybe a couple areas where they've been struggling long term and they just can't seem to break out. And it's just it's dragging them down. And my heart has been pained for those people. And I wonder, why is it people living in my church where I preach victory and faith, why is it that they can't break out of a struggle? Sometimes it's a struggle in their marriage. Sometimes it's a struggle with their kids or even their finances. Sometimes it's a struggle emotionally or in the mind. Fear, insecurities, mental torments of various kinds. People struggle in various ways. And folks, listen to me carefully when I say this. I'm here to tell you. 
that it's not God's will that you live your life just getting partly well, partly whole, partly free, but yet still struggling in some area of your life. If there's an area you're struggling in, the first thing I've got to tell you is that's not God's will. God's will is that you walk out of that thing. You get victory in that area of your life. God's not designed you to survive. He's designed you to thrive in this life. Hallelujah. Listen to me. I like that. So what is it that caused this man to get stuck in his struggle? I believe if we find that, maybe we can find out why people today get stuck in a long-term struggle. The Lord showed me this. Number one is this. He allowed his struggle to define his identity. He allowed his struggle to define who he was. What do I mean by that? How do I get that? Look at here. The lame man, the lame man, been lame all of his life. Now he's laying at the gate of the temple, and this gate is the most beautiful gate of all the gates around the temple of uh, the, the temple in Jerusalem. And the Bible calls it the gate called beautiful. And I begin to think about that one day, and then I begin to apply this biblical principle or biblical law, law of biblical interpretation. In other words, the way you interpret the Bible. One of the laws of biblical interpretation is like this. Are you ready? Put your thinking cap on. This is really deep. If it's in the Bible, it's in there for a reason. It's deep, ain't it, huh? You get that? In other words, if you see a name, a name of a person, a name of a city, a name of a gate, if it's in there, it's not in there by accident. It's in there for a reason. And the Lord told me, he said, here's the lesson. This man was struggling, a long-term private struggle, personal struggle, in the midst of a beautiful place. Yet, his, because he was a beggar, his head was hanging down so much so that when Peter came to him, the first thing he had to say to him is, look at us. In other words, lift your head, beggar. And the Lord spoke this to me. He said, what happens is many times people struggle for so long in an area. Let's say physical sickness. I've seen people struggle with sickness, and eventually they struggle so long. They lose sight of all the beauty that there is in their life. All they can see is the trouble or the problem they're going through. They get up in the morning and they think about it. They see it. They feel it. And they've lost sight of all the beauty. And let me tell you something. So they begin to define all the beauty that there is in their life through the problem that they're going through. Instead of defining the problem through all the beauty that they're going through in their life. You listen to me. And that sounds like a cute little point of encouragement. But it's not just that. It's a biblical law. God has designed for us to lift our heads. We all go through struggle. We all experience pain. Life is full of pain. There's pain, relational pain, financial pain, physical pain, all kinds of pain. Let me tell you this. Don't you ever let your head hang down and begin to let your life become defined by what you're going through and then miss all the beauty that there is in your life around you. Hey, listen to me. If you do, one of the first things that happen is, is that you lose that spirit of a child. Listen to what I'm telling you now. Because this is one thing God spoke to me, dealt with me about that changed my life. That is, you know, Jesus, there's this little place. Listen, there's this place where Jesus takes a, a little baby, a little young uh, kid, puts the baby in his arms. He holds this little child, and he looks at the people, and he says, he says, unless you come as this little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And I thought about that. I thought, he's not telling us to become a child again. You can't become a child again. You're an adult. But he said, don't lose what this child has. In other words, whatever the traits you see in a child throughout your entire life, never lose the traits or the characteristics of that child. And I thought about that. And I thought, what are the characteristics of a child that God doesn't want us to lose? And I thought of it. A child is innocent. 
think of that. Child is innocent. And when we grow up, we go through hard knocks. We experience pain. You know, we, we get betrayed. People lie about us. You know, we find out life ain't fair. And all of a sudden, we begin to gradually, subtly lose that spirit of innocence. Spirit that says, I still believe that people are good. Life is wonderful. I'm not going to live protecting myself, you know, and, and from, from hurt or wound. I'm going to allow myself to love again. Hey, listen to me now. And every, whenever, it, whenever you lose that, you've lost everything. When you lose that spirit of innocence, when you become a stinking professional in life, a stinking crusty adult. Look, I mean, you know, here I am now. I'm 64 years old now. But I never want to lose that spirit of a child. Ah, hallelujah. When you do, you've lost everything. You understand that? Your head begins to hang down. You begin to think that you already know what's going on in everybody's life and around the world. I've already been there and done that. God says, don't you lose the spirit of a child. The spirit of a child is also filled with mystery and wonder. I love that. Something beautiful about a child. You know, you tell everybody does this, you know, you know that... You, you know, you take your child, you feel obligated to do this. I do it with my grandkids now. I take one of my grandsons, and I, I take him, throw him up in the air. I don't know why we do it, but you got to do it. Throw him up in the air. And when I throw him up in the air, he goes, ah, and then I catch him. When I catch him, what do you think he says? Do it again. I throw him up again. He goes, ah, I catch him. I'm up again. Ah, I catch him. I throw him up again. Ah, I catch him. Ah, I catch him. After a while, he wears me out. And I think, what's wrong with you? We've done this a hundred times, and you act like it's the first time you've ever done it. And all of a sudden, he hit me. Something about a spirit of a child, even when they've done something a hundred times, it's still like it's, done, it's only the first time. They never lose the spirit of mystery and wonder about life. They get up in the morning, and they believe that today's going to be better than tomorrow. Are you with me now? Hallelujah. I like that. They believe that people are still wonderful. I remember, you know, a number of years back, I went through this dark period of my life where I became ill. I actually burned out, suffered uh, adrenal exhaustion, and, and uh, my immune system crashed. I had about 12 different times of illnesses. It lasted for six years. It was a very dark season in my life. Many days I was crying out to God, and it felt like I was hanging on by a thread. I, I, I continued to cling to Jesus. God brought me through that, and then he healed me after six years, totally restored me. Through that whole time, I, I never lost that intimate fellowship with God and that simple trust in him. And I came out on the other side, and after this horrible dark hour in my life, when I was practically homebound for six years, I come out on the other side, and a couple of years later, I just decide uh, that I was going to take one of my sayings that I say all the time, one of my little sayings, and, and post it on Facebook. And the saying is this, I posted on Facebook, uh, God is great, life is good, and people are beautiful. God is great, life is good, people are beautiful. And anyway, I posted on Facebook. And just very quickly, all of a sudden, a post came back. And it was a woman. Well, I didn't know. Can I, can I tell you this? I hate to tell you, but not all your friends on Facebook are actually your friends. <laughs> you, know, you get that by now. And so this woman obviously didn't know me, didn't know who I was, anything about me. She posted right back. You know, I said, God is great, life is good, people are beautiful. She posted back and she said, that would be wonderful if it were only true. And she said this, you ready? She said, it's obvious you've never been through anything in your life. Oh, Jesus. I thought, Lord, help me. Posted right back. 
posted it back, and I said, I said, my conviction that God is great, life is good, people are beautiful, has not come from the fact that I've never been through anything in my life, but it's born out of the fires of adversity when I have been went through hell and I found that God never let me go and he stayed faithful through it all and he brought me out on the other side. That's why I have this conviction. God is great, life is good, people are beautiful. Ah, isn't that wonderful? Wow. And I said, God, never let me lose the spirit of a child. And I made up my mind then, years ago. Then when I grew old, I was never going to become one of those old, crusty people. I'd have preachers at our church uh, in our, my younger years as a, as a pastor. I'd have these old guys come and preach in my church, you know, because I wanted to hear their wisdom. They would come and preach a great message, but then I'd have fellowship with them. And it's like they, they were cynical. They were jaded. They just wanted to talk shop all the time. You know, they were a bit crusty and smelly. You know, it's like they were just old. I don't mean old in age, old in their spirit. And I thought, God, help me. Whenever I go through all of life and suffer all the bumps and knocks in life, do I have to become like one of them? I said, God, I don't want that. And then listen to this. It wasn't long after that. I had another old guy. This guy was about 80 years old by this time. An old guy come to our church, and he, he preached. Never forget, he was one of my heroes. He was one of the greatest men of God of the 20th century. His name was T.L. Osborne. Great, well-known man of God. Always, he'd always been one of my heroes. Now I got to have him preach at our church. He's preaching at our church. We go out to eat. When we go out to eat, we hit it off right away. I was in love with this guy, man. I loved him. And whenever, whenever we hit it off, he told me, he said, Rick, he said, why don't you fly to Tulsa where he lived? And he said, let's spend the day together studying the Bible. A couple weeks later, I on the plane, flew to Tulsa. Got the rent a car. When I was in the rent a car on the way to Dr. Osborne's house, I was reciting over and over to myself what I was going to say when I got there. Oh, Dr. Osborne, then what a privilege for a young man like me that you would open your door and have me come and spend a day. It's just the greatest honor. Someone is great. I had all this rehearsed in my mind. Well, I got to Dr. Osborne's door. And when I pushed the bell, doorbell, I figured someone else would answer the door, but no, it was him. He threw open the door, and before I had a chance to do or say anything, Dr. Osborne jumped out over the threshold of the door, grabbed me in a bear hug, and started shaking me back and forth like this. And he, listen to this. He, here, he starts saying, oh, Rick. He said, God must love me today to send a great young pastor like me to visit an old man like me. Wow. But God, I want to be like that. There was such an innocence. We sat there all day, and we, he was giddy. He was laughing. Every other word was, wow, isn't that beautiful? Wow, isn't that wonderful? That moment, I got a wow in my spirit. And I decided I was never going to let it go. I would get old, but I would never allow the devil to steal my freshness, my innocence, the beauty, the sense of beauty in my life, the sense of vulnerability that's willing to trust people no matter what say, but what if I open my heart and trust in my heart and they violate my trust again? Oh, they probably will. But what is the alternative? If you lock up your life and no longer allow yourself to trust anymore, you begin to die on the inside. Anybody listening to me today? Last thing I want to share is this, and that is that the Lord spoke to me and he said that this man, mistake that he made was that he began to build a lifestyle around his struggle to accommodate what he was going through. Think of this for a moment. He said, think of this. The man was a lame man. He didn't choose that. That just can't happen to him. Listen, he was a beggar. 
And that he chose. He didn't have to be a beggar. His beggar was the lifestyle that he built around his struggle to sustain him in his struggle to accommodate what he's going through. And the Lord showed me something. He said one of the mistakes people make is when they go through a struggle. Let's say it's in your, let's say it's in your physical body. I've seen it time and time again. People go on for a while with a struggle with sickness, and then they start, they start developing all the elements of their life, building it around their struggle to accommodate what they're going through. It's like they build this network, this, this web that is to facilitate the sickness. You listen to me now. The point that not only are they now experiencing sickness, their whole identity is sickness. They are a sick person. You can see the way they live out their life. They quit doing the things they used to do anymore. They quit going the places they used to go. You listen to me. You can't do that because what you do is when you do that, you box yourself in to where you can't break out of what you're going through. I know what I'm talking about. I don't want to say this to talk about me, but I just want to make it a point so I encourage you. You know, I have this pain. I have pain 24 hours a day right now. 24, for the last five or six years in my neck, I have several collapsed discs in my neck. I wear this thing around all the time that sends elect- electricity into my neck to help dull the pain, and 24 hours a day, never stops. Why do I tell you that? I tell you that because there are days, and the last thing in the world my mind tells me that I should do or want to do is get on a plane and go to the other side of the world or, or have the kind of schedule that I do. There, there have been temptations where my mind, my emotions starts telling me, you need, to, you need to just slow down, you need to stay home, you need to, you know, nurse this, you know. But listen to me. Why don't I? It's because there's something in me that will not allow what I'm going through to define not only who I am, but to define my lifestyle. I can't, I can't do anything about the pain. I'm believing God for a healing. I believe, I'm gonna make, I believe I'll get a miracle. Until then, I refuse to let the pain change one iota of my lifestyle to the point that you would never know I'm in pain unless I told you so. And I tell you that to tell you, listen, you don't have to let what you're going through rule you and overcome you and define all the things that you do in your life. As a matter of fact, I think one of the things that keeps me fresh and vibrant is, is continuing to deny this thing in my body the right to dictate my schedule. Is anybody out there today? Yeah. Oh, I love that. And you know what? You can do that too. You know that? Let me tell you one last thing. The last thing about this man was the Lord said, notice something about how the man was healed. And then you'll learn a lesson. And here's the lesson, then I'll tell you the story. The lesson is you can hear all I've told you today, but unless you take a step and do something, something to break out of it with your words, your lifestyle, some, until you take a step to break out of this, where this, you deny this thing the right, dictate your life. Until you do that, you will never see the grace of God pour into your life to bring healing into the thing. You listen to me now. And I got this this way. I started this. Some, give me some guy here that's got a decently strong back, all right? I'm not going to hurt you anything, but I just don't want to hurt him. All right? Who's got one? Come on. That right there. What's your, what's your name? Come up here. Joel? Uh, give Joel a hand clap. Come on. Look here. Joe, I want you to do this. Look at this. 
going to help me preach. Joe, would you do this for me, all right? This will really help. Is it? I want you to take where you're at right now, and I want you to just lay back on the floor facing me. Just lay back on the floor like that. In other words, your feet this way, your head back that way. Right, there you go. So let's say Joe is the lame man, all right? Watch that. Now look at this. He's the lame man. It's interesting to me. The Bible says that Peter said to him, you ready? Watch this. Here, look at this. You ready? Peter said to him, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Wait a minute. No. You're lame. Listen. Peter said, rise up and walk. Nothing happened. Nothing. Absolutely nothing happened. And the Bible says that Peter grabbed the lame man's right hand. And watch this. And the lame, and all of a sudden, so he takes and lifts. Wait, wait, dude, you're lame. Get down. Go down. What is it? Yeah. All of a sudden, Peter grabbed his hand. The man jumped up. No, that's not what it says. Is it? Look at, and Peter grabbed him by the hand. In the name of Jesus, rise up. Rise up. And no, no, just wait. Just rise up and walk. And walk. One thing that's interesting, somewhere along as while Peter was pulling him up, somewhere, I don't know where, somewhere along the line, all of a sudden his feet and ankle bones started getting strength. He felt something down there. And all of a sudden, oh, he feels it. And he stands up and jumps and leaps and praises God. Yeah. Yeah, Give our brother Joel a hand clap. Come on. Yeah. I really learned something out of that beautifully. And that is that I had the thought, you, think, you would think that God would give the man, the lame man, strength so he could stand. He didn't. The man actually got strength because he stood. He got strength by standing. And I saw a powerful lesson there. Until we begin, you can't stand up completely. In other words, you can't break out of thing completely, you know, yourself, that's for sure. But until you make a step on your own to say, I'm, let's say it's a struggle in your mind. You've been bombarded with thoughts of fear. Until you make a step where you say, in Jesus' name, I'm denying this thing the right to rule my brain with me. You start filling your mind with the thoughts of God. You begin to stand. As you stand, all of a sudden, the grace of God pours strength into your life. And the miracle begins to come. You've got to do something in order for something to happen with the hands of God in your life. Amen? Do something. Say something. I mean, whatever it is, deny the enemy the right to rule your life in any area. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. All right. Did you all get anything out of this today? Everybody stand to your feet with me, if you will. Father, we just thank you. Everybody just listen. I want to just pray this prayer. Father, thank you for my dear brothers and sisters right now. In this house, every one of them, every man and woman, young person, older person, God, you know what their personal life journey is. And only really, only you do know. God, reach into their, their life journey. God, you know the pain in the past and the present. You know, God, the things they've had to deal with. Father, I ask you now, this day, before we leave this house today, let your presence invade their soul and God break them out of this cycle of struggle. I ask you for that. In Jesus' name, every head bowed and every eye closed.